trolls, multiple personalities, and the KGB. Welcome to episode two of Marvel vs. Marvel, a podcast where two fans on other sides of the fence compare the Marvel MCU movies to the comic books that inspired them back in the 1960s, 70s, 80s, and beyond. So we compare the original source material to the films that have really changed the movie-watching world. Hello, I'm Rob Holden, and I'm on one side of the fence. I am a comic book fan, a confirmed geek. Been reading comic books, Marvel comic books, uh, since I was, I think, five or six years old, 30-plus years and I'll be bringing all the trivia to you that you might not know about the 1960s Marvel comic books and the 70s and the 80s and everything that's there. And I'll be giving and gifting that information not just to you at home, but also to my co-colleague tonight, who is, once again, Mr. Will Preston. Well, oh, thank you very much. <laughs> uh, yes, I am, a, I am a geek, massive confirmed geek. I do like my Marvel, but I'm more into the film side of things than the comics. In fact... I'm pretty much bereft of uh, Marvel comic knowledge, ex- except for the little bits of tidbits here and there. And so what we're going to do is we're going to go through the Marvel, we're going through all the MCU movies in order. You're re-watching them, I'm re-watching them, and then we're having this 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 back and forth where I'm going to uh, bring you bang up to date onto what, what the differences are, what the trivia is, how these characters, these enduring characters, really began back in the 60s. And, and, and beyond and how they've lasted so long and, and, and how they've become such huge parts of the movie world right now you know billions and billions of dollars worldwide from these simple humble beginnings of the funny books back in the 1960s it's really I find it really fascinating that we are both fans of the same characters and essentially almost <laughs> the same stories and yet you've never picked up and read a Marvel comic book I just think that is really fascinating really interesting and it's a really exciting thing for us to be able to do and we've only got one rule here on marvel versus marvel don't we will and that one rule is no gatekeeping no gatekeeping absolutely right it doesn't matter what kind of a fan you are you are always welcome uh in in this podcast we're here for fans of the comic books fans of the movies maybe even fans who kind of just like have Played the video game or, or, or seen a tie-in, seen a cartoon series and kind of want to jump on board with the movies or with the comics. And that's what it's all about. Because gatekeeping is the worst part of geekdom, isn't it? Of any fan. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. So last in the first episode, uh, we did Iron Man, the beginning of the MCU universe. Um, that was a weird way of saying it because what I said there was Marvel Cinematic Universe universe. Remind me not to do that again. Uh, the MCU. Uh. <laughs> it feels like it needs another word after you. Like it just the beginning of the MCU. Stop. Um, yes. And so we go on to the next movie um, in the lineage, which is the Incredible Hulk, which came out right snap on the heels. Not like how it is now, where you have to wait a little bit to get the next movie. This was the this was the next month after. Iron Man hit the theatres. We had the Incredible Hulk coming out um, as well. And interestingly, the timeline in the comic books is kind of different um, because the the Hulk comic, the Incredible Hulk, came out before the Iron Man comic came out. Um, so you have Hulk in 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 1962, and then Iron Man the next year in 63. So uh, one predates the other, but it's kind of switched around in the uh, in the MCU. 
Um, and they are very, they are similar. When we get into it, we'll, we, we will really see the similarities in the stories. What we talked about in episode one is how really with the Marvel Universe in the 60s that Stan Lee uh, and Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko and Don Heck, what they're creating there is a brand new way of, of, of telling these stories, a brand new type of superhero, completely different to the very stoic figures of the 30s and the 40s, um, which were the superheroes like Superman and, and Batman and those kind of the Green Lantern, things like that. Um, but what we're seeing really and what I've dubbed and what we kind of believe is that Stanley et al. in the 60s, they are doing Black Mirror in the 1960s. It is weird, <laughs> twisted sci-fi morality tales with these kind of fears ripped from the headlines of, of whatever was going on in the public at the time. Um, so, Will, you rewatched The Incredible Hulk. Um, what was it like? Uh, Did you see it at the cin- in the cinema? I was actually going to correct you there. I have never seen uh, The Incredible Hulk before, so this was quite an experience for me. Um, it was, it, I think it was left off my uh, things to do because the Hulk movie, the original Hulk movie, was so... Uh, I didn't even even see that, but the the backlash was so bad, I didn't even bother touching the other Incredible Hulk film. I never really had that much of an interest in the character anyway, to be honest. Oh, so that's the Ang Lee version that came out before this. In, I in did the see end, the end of the 90s, version. yeah. It, uh, early 2000s, I think, it came out. But yeah, there, I did yeah. see that, yeah, or, or this. And, and this is my first time seeing it, and boy, I was, ta- I was taken aback a little bit by how good it was. Really? What you, so yeah. you, you I mean, it is one that is, because I think of some of the production issues that go on, we don't want to spend too much time doing that, that's not what we're about here. Yeah. But b- because of that, it kind of gets very much overlooked. I rewatched it before we even did this recently. Uh, it was just happened to be on ITV4, I guess, at like midnight. Uh, and I went, I haven't seen this film in ages. And I remember <laughs> it being really good. And it was, it, it, it did blow me away again in how. It is so overlooked by by the MCU fans because I think it massively holds up. It's full of great actors putting in really good performances, um, good action scenes. It's not a complicated film, mm-hmm. but it's it's a hell of a lot of fun. It, it is, and, it, and you're right. It is an incredibly simple film. The thing is, we we know the story of the Incredible Hulk so well. It's so ingrained within us. It's just a guy on the run who gets angry. Well. You say well. that. We're about to discover <laughs> just how completely different this is from from the what we what I would refer to quite condescendingly as the real Hulk story, um, oh, and, damn, and how man. no no screen version of the Hulk has ever done it properly, ever. So that's going to be interesting. The, not even the TV show from back in the day. And that's one thing we do need to uh, mention because the TV mm. show is a huge influence. The the 1970s Incredible Hulk series, which has caused mm. Lou Ferengo in, in the classic titular role. Uh, uh, he's a big muscle dude. They just put slap some green paint on him. Jobs are good. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's pretty much it. No CGI in the 70s. You don't need it. Um, and that spawned out of a couple of TV movies and then became a, a long-running series, which was kind of like The Fugitive, but he's a big green fella. <laughs> he goes from town to town getting angry turning yep. into a big green fella hitting bikers <laughs> there's usually some sort of criminal you know with a gun going on 
Um, and that's interesting. I my my friend bought the DVD collection a few years ago, and we rewatched the first couple. And it was hmm. it was interesting after seeing you know all the modern movies and the Avengers and everything to see a Hulk that when he's really really pushing the top end of his strength can just about dent the bonnet of a car. That's as much <laughs> as he can do. <laughs> he, he, he's not he's not like smashing buildings. He's not punching out giant aliens. He gets proper angry in a storm. He smacks up a Peugeot and then he has a bit of a nap. <laughs> You basically describe Basil Fawlty in that one episode of Fawlty Towers. <laughs> he is a gamma-powered Basil Fawlty. Yes, but th- yeah, it's, 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 it's really it's really fun. I from from. I mean, it might be. I don't think it's off-putting if you don't know the seventies show because it's not a barrier to it. But if you have watched it, like I did, obviously in repeats, I am not that old, which is going to be my catchphrase. For this series, uh, <laughs> but I, I, I saw as a kid growing up, a huge comic book fan. I was desperate to see any kind of um, superhero project on screen, any cartoon, any TV show. So I wolfed down the the Incredible Hulk series on VHS from the uh, the video rental stores that existed once upon a time, <laughs> and watched them again and again and again. So I had a, a lot of this embedded in me, and it was nice to see the music gets reused. Uh, they oh, use the yes. contact lenses to make his eyes go when he changes, which I always found <laughs> dead creepy. Yeah, it, it, it used to scare me as a kid as well. Back in the when I saw it on the TV show, it's it was, the, it was just ugh. it's the unnaturalness. It's the un un uh, un. It's, again, it's almost like that uncanny valley. Anything that kind of takes someone away from being—it's why clown masks are so deeply scary. Clown faces because it's it's human, but it's dehumanized. And I think contact yeah. lenses kind of do that as well. Um, so, without further ado, Will, I think maybe we could. Well, do I need to say anything about him before we get going? Uh, uh, do you, oh, I have a feeling you want to say something about him before we get going. <laughs> yeah, I, I suppose so. Um, I, we, we we do need to touch on a couple of things. We'll we'll get into the 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 origin. Well, we get into the origin right at the start, really, because after we do the title, the titles that was a nice, that's a neat thing about this film. It just puts the whole origin story into the title sequence. And by the time you've seen the opening credits, you're caught up. I think I happens. was about to say. Now he's I love that he's on the run. Um, <laughs> but I, I I I think it's yeah, it is worth like we did with Iron Man to take a kind of look. At, at at what this is about, broadly speaking, and the big thing that is, so the Hulk is all about uh, the atom bomb. That's what the Hulk is about, and that mm. will not come across to anyone watching the movies because <laughs> there's no bomb in any of the movies. Um, but the Hulk is about the public fear of the atom bomb, of nuclear testing in the 60s the fear of that was rampant and high they were testing in the desert they were testing out in the pacific ocean on these islands um and there was a huge amount of public fear about radiation and nuclear testing and that's where the hulk really comes from um and i think maybe we should jump into the movie and we'll come to this as we as we kind of go naturally i will just keep interrupting you with a bit of <laughs> Trivia. So, yeah, take us through. How do we start? Okay, basically, as we said, the, the beginning uh, sequence basically provides the entire origin story, which is very, very thankful because we don't want to go through that again after the Ang Lee version of The Incredible Hulk. Uh, basically, uh, he's on the run. 
he, Banner is working in a bottling factory in Rio de Janeiro. Well, hey, take us through the take us through the title sequence. Of what happens in the title oh, sequence? In the title sequence, he's doing an experiment, uh, basically to do with but is it to make it immune to gamma radiation something like that isn't it i've no idea it's, 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 <laughs> he it, sits I'm in reading, a chair to do yeah, thing because he goes I, a bit I, mad from what i understand it's different from the actual comic book but i'm sure you're going to jump in there in a sec but the thing is the experiment was actually part of the world war Two uh, super soldier program uh, that general thaddeus thunderbolt ross hopes to recreate and yeah. fails and an exposure to gamma radiation causes Banner to transform into the Hulk for brief periods of time. Whenever his heart rate rises above two hundred beats per minute, so uh, in, so in the, the Hulk, comic, yeah, yeah sorry, in, in in the comic books, so in the TV series, it is again, it's some kind of radiation uh, experiment. In the Ang Lee version, it's some kind of blood changing thing, and again here, it's a similar type of of, of uh, experiment. And it's all tied in with the Super Soldier project. Now, in the 60s comics, that's not the case. Bruce Banner built a big bomb. He said, (laughs) you see the A-bomb, I can do something bigger and more deadly than that. It's called the G-bomb. Let me build it for you. Gives a load of money. I am... Bruce Banner is is Robert Oppenheimer. Okay? Uh, And that's who he is. That's the entire basis of the character. Stan Lee kind of said... It, it, it's it's like we saw it with Iron Man. Um, so, mm. an architect of death and destruction has his creation turned on himself, and he becomes yeah. the weapon. And that's the kind of really important aspect of the Hulk. Banner becomes a bomb. What if Robert Oppenheimer somehow ingested the A bomb <laughs> and become <laughs> and became the bomb? So when you change that and you make it about Oh, he's doing an experiment to do with the Super Soldier Project. Well, that's not the same. That's quite noble. Trying to create another Captain America, that's a really positive thing. In the yeah. 60s, it's very similar to like Tony Stark. He's not um, a paragon of virtue. He's not doing something inherently noble. He is a guy in the 60s, surrounded by these protests and the fear of, of nuclear testing, saying... You think the A-bomb was something to be scared of. Stand back, hold my beer. Bruce Banner's here. <laughs> and builds this this thing. And, and then he gets caught in the explosion. And he gets irradiated by the, by the gamma. Um, I, I think there's something really important to that original telling. Because, mm. as we said, these, these 60 stories are twisted morality tales. They're like fairy tales. They're like, not modern, but they're like... In the 1960s, there would have been modern fairy tales. It's like Black Mirror. Uh, and I think that is what that is a real big part of the connection that the character has with the readers. We know how enduring fairy tales are, and that's kind of what Iron Man and the Hulk is in its similar way. And I think that's part of what made the Hulk a very enduring character, that he was a bit of, a, a bit of an arse who built a big bomb and then became a big bomb. Um... Yeah, and then we find him in a bottling factory. There we go. So that, that that's that's what we have there. I was going to say as well because uh, I'm a massive Simpsons fan. Uh, radio Radioactive Man must have been a massive influence from well, influenced by the Hulk because I his think, origin I think story. It should be the way around. I like the idea <laughs> that Radioactive Man was a real super because he he uh, he's crawling he's crawling uh, under a wire and fence, the, isn't he? In Simpsons. Yeah, yeah. And the radiation gets him. You know that 
I don't know if they know that, but that is 100% the origin story of the Spider-Man villain, the Sandman. Oh, right. So that was, the sa- that was how the Sandman came to be. Yeah, but I don't think they know that because it's such an obscure reference. Um, <laughs> Sandman's not a well-known, terribly well, because this is before the movie where he's in it. He's crawling yeah. under a wire fence. He's stolen something. He gets caught in a nuclear blast. And in classic Marvel 1960s logic, because he's touching sand... When he gets caught in a nuclear bomb, he becomes sand. <laughs> and he didn't hire someone to come up with a better name. But yeah, that's the origin of uh, that's that's the origin there of Sandman and uh, Radioactive Man. So in this uh, origin, up he basically Adam. destroys up and at up and at them. <laughs> You can't resist it, can you? It's just such a great moment. But he he basically runs away, uh, as you would, because he is a fugitive of the US military, because they want to weaponize him. He runs off all the way to Rio de Janeiro in Brazil while searching for the cure for his condition. And on the internet, he anonymously collaborates with a colleague known only as Mr. Blue. And in that's, the meantime... That's oh. um, a big point from um, a Bruce Jones storyline uh, in the... <laughs> I guess the 2000s, it must have been. Uh, yeah, yeah, I was in my 20s, I guess. So yeah, it was at some point around that time. Bruce Jones did a, a nice lengthy run on the Hulk and introduced this this um, anonymous uh, ally that was happening via the internet, only known as Mr. Blue. It was a big story, it was a big mystery for a while in the comic books world. You know, that the comic book trade magazines and the fan forums would all be like, who is Mr. Blue? And for a lot of time, people assumed it was Captain America. That was mm. happening because of the name Mr. Blue, and Blue is yeah. kind of like pretty much Cap's color. Um, and we find out later it is not Mr. Blue, it is not Captain America. Sorry, it, 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 is, uh, it is it is another guy. I don't know. We'll come up to who it is later, and wonder if it does match up with who it is in the comics. But he's uh, contacting Mr. Blue, and he's also learning yoga to help him keep control, which I always found funny. Uh, does he does he have a history of doing? Not tongue-in-cheek ways of keeping control. Think ways that seem funny at first, but then seem ultra-logical, like doing yoga or breathing exercises or other things. He does quite in, in very modern ones. Yeah, it is. It is a. It, it does, and it does make sense. But I think it's only uh, yeah, uh, back then, outside of like West Coast America. Uh, when I say back then, I mean when the Incredible Hulk movie came out. I think a lot of people, if you weren't a metropolitan kind of person. You would be looking. You would be looking asconce at yoga and going and laughing, wouldn't you? And be going. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it is presented as kind of a gag, isn't it, to a certain extent? Yeah. But uh, as a fully signed up member of the yoga club these days, I agree with it wholeheartedly. <laughs> oh, so, same, same here. I'm, tr- I'm still trying to do it and meditation, but I, I, I am just. I, I'm very. I, I lack discipline, but thankfully, I don't have anger management issues. Well, or this smash might be a up. time to mention that. Um, Originally, stress and anger had nothing to do with the Hulk's transformation. What? Nothing to do with it at all. So originally, and this is a tidbit that quite a lot of people may know, issue one, the Hulk is not green. He's grey, isn't he? He's grey. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And that's kind of a... uh, That becomes corrected in the second issue because it was just... Apparently, grey is a harder colour to produce uh, and print and like... (laughs) Um, quality control and green was much easier so there you go but um, Hulk's originally Hulk's uh, transformations are to do with sunset and sunrise he's like a gremlin he's like a big massive gremlin he only comes out (laughs) at night 
Um, and then when it when the sun comes up, he turns back to being uh, Bruce Banner. And there's a there's a there's a an iconic kind of um, uh, panel where an exhausted Bruce Banner kind of says out loud that I am doomed to every night. It is I am doomed for it to be a battle between the Hulk and and the rest of the and rest of mankind every night. Like he knows it's coming. He can't do anything about it. He can't even calm himself down. Every night he becomes this this beast. You know, a little bit like a werewolf and. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's that's a lot more horrifying than the uh, current Hulk we have. Jeez. <laughs> wow. Okay, so back to the story. He's in Rio de Janeiro. He's working at a bottling plant, and then one day he cuts his finger, and a drop of blood falls into a bottle, which is eventually ingested by an elderly consumer in Wisconsin. And who plays that consumer? <laughs> Mister Daniel Lee. Stanley and I, was, I, I thought to myself wait a minute is he going to become the bad guy in this because that's too weird this early on in the MCU <laughs> I don't I don't have a again I rewatch this but I don't have a memory of 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 that bit happening I know he stops he stops it doesn't he he stopped well he, he oh, gave, gave does, him does, gab- does it get drank in in a, in a post credit scene or when when does the no, Stanley thing well, happen well basically he this is the thing he like he cuts his finger, he sees the, the drop go down into the bottles, and he's like, oh no! And he runs over and tells everyone to stop the bottling uh, machinery. And then he finds, he's searching, he finds the spot of blood, wipe, mops it up, and you're thinking, oh okay. And then you see a bottle nearby that has a tiny bit of blood in, and then it gets out anyway. And this looks like to be what kicks off uh, the, the special forces tracking him down. It's a guy led, uh, was it, uh, Emil Blonsky. Uh, yeah. Well, now, what it, can you? Yeah, we 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 should we should probably because we don't we we were kind of seeing Thunderbolt Ross at the start, haven't we? In the yeah, Thunderbolt sequence. Ross. Yeah, and he's he's here now, isn't he, with Blonsky? Yeah, he's 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 hired Blonsky on board to get involved. So General Thunderbolt Ross is right there, issue one of of the Hulk, and he's um he's very he's a very he he's the Doctor Loomis of the Marvel universe. So he's Doctor Loomis from Halloween. You know, he's the guy uh, chasing Michael Myers, who ends up becoming so obsessed with stopping the monster that he becomes pretty much just as bad. You know, he breaks oh, wow. every rule, he breaks every law, he doesn't care what he has to do. Loomis, like, is becomes more unhinged than Michael Myers as the as the Halloween movies, the original Halloween movies, go on. And and Thunderbolt Ross is, is kind of exactly the same. He's so obsessed with destroying the Hulk. That he becomes an even bigger monster than the Hulk. He commits treason. He gets kicked out of the army. He uses countless black ops and, and illegal means, high supervillains, all to try and hunt Banner down. Um, to the point where you think you're causing more problems than the Hulk. The Hulk kind of just wants to be left alone at this point. He just wants to <laughs> hang out in the desert. And you uh, uh, keep bring me Magneto and and also Sabretooth. Go and kick his ass. Um, he did not do that. No, well, well, not those two. I was just reaching, but he, no, Hulk always has very Z-list villains. Hulk's never got good villains, really. Um, but but Thunderbolt Ross refuses to ever concede that Banner might be misunderstood, and that a lot of these things might not be his fault, and he never asked for it. He's always, to be fair, the dude keeps porking his daughter. I would have a similar <laughs> issue. I think we really yeah. know what is behind Thunderbolt Ross's motivations there. 
I mean, you could just probably have a heart to heart chat with him, you know, providing you keep his heart rate under 200 and just say, look, mate, I, I really wish you'd leave her alone. Yeah. <laughs> putting shame. And then, and then in a, in a truly terrible storyline, uh, whenever it was quite recently, uh, Thunderbolt Ross becomes something called the Red Hulk and joins the goddamn Avengers. And I, William, <laughs> I refuse to speak about the Red Hulk. I, 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 I won't. I will. I, I mean, I'll tell you what happened. I right. urge you not to look into it. It's awful. I've That's got the Wikipedia entry it. open. I've got the Wikipedia open now. <laughs> Apparently. They did a wording for the Incredible Hulk, but the R E D is capitalized. Oh, it's really so oh, bad. That is um, so bad. Yeah, and Emil Blonsky, as yes. we'll see. Um, yeah, I don't, we should, I don't need to be concerned about spoiler alerts, do I? Um, don't need to. I think. I think. Don't worry about spoiler alerts now. But he does become something later on. We'll tackle that when we get later on into the so story. So you might be thinking Emil Blonsky is a weird name for either an American or um, an English dude doing a dodgy accent to have. <laughs> um, well, was, he was he was British in this, right? Because he's played by uh, the brilliant Mr. Tim Roth. Yeah, 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 yeah. He, he is. Yeah, uh, I suppose so. But I never. He's Tim Roth tends to adopt this Atlantic accent. This kind of. <laughs> Frasier accent, which where Americans think it's English and English people think it's American, and it's kind of a broad Atlantic yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so Emil Blonsky in the in the, in the comics is a 1960s KGB spy who is sent to steal the secrets of the gamma bomb. I don't know what part of the Kremlin thought this uh, hasn't worked yet. <laughs> <laughs> and it, created, it created a monster that yeah. uh, keeps causing a lot of havoc. We need that. That needs to be yeah. in our wheelhouse. Um, and Blonsky does uh, this very interesting thing where he kind of works out what happened to Banner and he goes, ah, I know what to do. I'll expose myself to more radiation, more than he did. <laughs> so he gives himself a bigger dose deliberately of gamma radiation. And thus becomes like a bigger monster. Like he's, he, Abomination is big, literally physically bigger and stronger than uh, than the Hulk is. And you know he he, uh, he he's a recurring Hulk villain. He always one of he's only like a handful of classics. Uh, he, he gets a bit more cunning as the years go by, mm. as the decades go by. Uh, after the first story ends, because they build him up, it's so. They have no exit strategy. <laughs> they keep doing this in, in the 60s. Stan keeps doing this. So they build up this character. He's like bigger, stronger, more powerful than the Hulk. The Hulk can never win. And then, of course, the Hulk wins. Um, and then they go, oh, what do we do with him now? Because he can't go to prison. <laughs> He's more powerful than the Hulk. So at the end of the Abomination's first story in the 60s, a cosmic mystical character shows up and goes hello you've never seen me before i'm a cosmic mystical character of immense power and i need to take the abomination away with me into space for vague plot reasons and whisks him whisks him whisks him away until they need him again because at the time there was no like in modern comics there's all these there's an infrastructure there's like a yeah. super a super villain prison 
or a thing that will take their powers away. There's like an infrastructure to the universe. In the 60s, they're making it up as they go along. They've got nothing else to refer to. And Stan literally, is like, what do I do with him now? <laughs> I was literally thinking, is it going to be like Poochie on The Simpsons where he just says, Abomination died on his way back to his home planet. That's, that's, that's exactly what it is. He just... <laughs> They decide they don't need the character anymore, and so a spaceship <laughs> yeah. needs me. That's what happened. He did Stan does exactly the same thing to Magneto in the sixties. Like Magneto has this great run in the X Men of terrorizing the whole world, and then they go, Well, we're kind of like that's enough Magneto now. We need to move on to other characters. What do we do with him? He can't he lit he can't go into prison. Prisons are made of metal. <laughs> it's still the sixties. <laughs> we haven't got plastic prisons yet. So, again, it's exactly the same. I think a character called The Stranger... Hello, I'm a mystic cosmic stranger. I need Magneto for reasons I can't go into. (laughs) Come with me! And then he vanishes for a few years until they need him again. So that's, to me, the most interesting thing about the Abomination. (laughs) Wow. Uh, He's just big and he's KGB and he hits people. And that's kind of it, really. That's that's, that's, that's all you need from... He's much more interesting in this movie. Let me put it that way. Oh, yeah. He's Not. he's uh, what do you mean the abomination or Emar Blonsky? Well, the same dude. Yeah, they're both. They're, they're so much a- more, much more interesting in this movie. Oh yeah, I'll go with that. He he is he is more interesting. He he just comes off as an efficiently trained killer. But he starts off they 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 start off just feeding him a bit, don't they? Just so he can up his speed and stuff. But he doesn't become the abomination. He basically becomes a bit more full on. Right, which to me is the super soldier serum. Yeah, that's the super soldier serum, right? So they've right? already got it. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, they already had. You did they it. Already what are you had still it, doing they? then? <laughs> I th- I think they got the balance right this time. Like they did it wrong for the Hulk, like for Banner, and then it's like, okay, we're gonna try it just a little bit, and it's like, oh, yeah. it works. We we now got a- another Captain America who's neither a captain or from America. You know, that's what I did think. Kind of. Listen, I'm not a tall dude. But equally, I don't get jobs playing badasses. And I just feel that Roth could have done with a box to stand on in <laughs> some of these. <laughs> like, when he's, when he's like, having that conversation with Ross, in a, with Thunder, Thunderbolt Ross in the corridor, he's like, yeah. put me back in there, sir, I can do it. It's like, you're, at his, you're underneath his chin, mate. <laughs> <laughs> you say that, you say that. Uh, a lot of SAS dudes, a lot of special forces are actually not that big. They very just true, know how to very kill. True. Yeah, but, but I know what you mean. It does doesn't look that imposing for a, something like an MCU film. Like, do you remember Judge Dredd with Sylvester Stallone? Yeah. Do you know that a lot of his scenes he had to stand on a box? He's, <laughs> not, was... he's not a tall dude, is he? Yeah, Sylvester Stallone's actually quite short for what you think. <laughs> it, it does kind of make some sense <clears throat> into the terms of the, the character. Because there is an aspect in the Marvel comics where nothing is ever clearly defined when it comes to Hulk and Gamma because the character changes so much over the years. But there's there's something that suggests there's kind of wish fulfillment going on with Gamma Radiation. Yeah. Which would make sense if you're a super short dude. You probably spend your whole life dreaming of being you know, really big and tall and, and powerful, which would kind of make sense as, when we'll, as we go along. Oh, yep, yep. And those dreams do come to fruition. But in the meantime, um, Banner returns to Colvie University, reunites with Betty, uh, his other, well, half, other half. Hold up, well, hold up. Who's well. he meet? Who's he meet? 
Oh, who does he meet again? He, he, he meets does he... a security guard. Oh, the security guard, and it's Lou Ferrigno. Lou Ferrigno, yeah. Who I, is, I had uh, to stop that. And, yeah. yeah, the original Hulk. And I had to look at it. He's looking in good shape in this film. Oh, yeah. He's like I mean, a sheriff. No. He's a legitimate sheriff. You can get... If you're in one of these weird counties in the middle of nowhere in America, you can get pulled over by the Hulk. And he can be like, <laughs> driving license now. No. He, I, uh, in, in, in a sitcom that literally no one likes called um, King of Queens. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I know he, that one. He plays himself as the next door neighbour, and it's really oddly handled. <laughs> it's like... He's not there from. It's not. He's not part of the set. The show is not about someone who lives next door to the Hulk. He's, he's he just turns up in like season five, and he's there for two seasons. And it's hi. I'm Lou Ferengo, the Hulk. I moved in next door. I'm going to be a regular character. So get ready. <laughs> and then well, it's like Family Guy. It's like Family Guy where they made Adam West the mayor for no reason, and he think if it yeah, worked. But in a series that has never been surreal before. That is that is that is that is insane. I Sorry, think he it also says, plays a security guard in the Angley Hulk as well. So I think they kind of just kept him as as that. Bloody hell! I I, I like I like I like that. It's, it's still a good nod though. But yeah, he meets Luferino and gives him a nod. And there's a bit. It's one of those bits where you can tell this means something because this is too long for for a speaking extra <laughs> to be talking. <laughs> it's like this has even if you don't know who Luferino is, like, you're gonna be guy, suspicious. Is, is he like the son of the director? What's he doing here? <laughs> yeah, what's with his accent? Why has he got huge muscles? Why? Why is he? Anyway, he uh, he go he meets up with Betty, and then he's attacked a second time by Rosk and Blonsky's forces. Uh, tipped off by the suspicious Samson causing him again to transform into the Hulk now this was quite funny because they're doing a battle scene outside a university and all I could think was is uh, this is back when the when Marvel Studios couldn't afford that much for big battles so they had to resort to a field outside a building yeah it does reek of that doesn't it um, it does we, it, we, it we, works but yeah we, we glossed over the Hulk's first transformation Ah, inside. Oh God, yeah. I I need to talk about that because that was perfect. It was like Batman Begins for me. They played it like a horror movie. It was perfect. Yeah, it was really, really good and really scary. And kind of, we said it uh, in the last episode that kind of comes back again in is it the Avengers movie where he's chasing after the Black Widow. Ah, yeah. You mean the first one, first Avengers film? I think I think it's that one. It's one of them. I mean, we'll get, sure. we'll, we'll, we'll get there. We'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. They do a good job of showing the Hulk uh, initially, of getting you to understand why Banner is so really concerned about the Hulk and about people yeah. getting their hands on it and how scary it can be and kind of how misunderstood he is. Um, now, yeah, as you said, we see Betty Ross, who is a major, major figure in the comics. Um, as as the long suffering love interest of of Bruce Banner and, and the Hulk, um, but the problem is, it's like it's like they created a Lois Lane character, but for a, a protagonist who has to go on the run all the time, like you can't you can't like you can't see her very often, like she's yeah. not in a lot of them because he's on the run, or he's being the Hulk. Like if it makes sense for Lois Lane to be a major character because he keeps working with her. So exactly, it, 
she's she's a little yeah she's a little bit on character she's always been quite willful <coughs> excuse me even in the 60s in the 70s she becomes uh because they kind of have no idea what to do with her because once they set up on this idea of a hulk's always on the run they can't yeah. think of a way of shoehorning her into stories so they go what if she became a villain uh, so she goes and <laughs> she gets kidnapped by Modoc, who uh, is not in any of the Marvel movies, and it's a crying shame. He is a glorious. Please Google right now for me Modoc, so you can M O D O K. So you just you can have a look at what he looks like. What? Yeah. See, that's the correct <laughs> response to looking at a picture of Modoc. He's like a giant head. With tiny purple baby arms and legs in a massive golden throne chair that floats. And <laughs> his name is an acronym, kind of like S.H.I.E.L.D. stands for something, of a mental organism designed only for killing. <laughs> what? Yeah, he's I, cool. That, he's, that must have been a name that they went with originally as a placeholder and then went... No, Ugh, no, I don't. I think you drastically misunderestimate how much drugs were being consumed in the in the seventies, um, <laughs> and and Modoc kind of kidnaps Betty Ross and turns her into a crazy villain called the Harpy, who's kind of got. I think she's got a mermaid tail and wings, or maybe she's got claws and wings. She's kind of a hybrid of mystical creatures somehow, even though science was involved. Doesn't make any sense. And she died and was dead for a good long time. Um, and for as, ages, as all Marvel characters do. <laughs> yeah, well, no, not really. They kind of come back quite quickly. But this one stayed for a while. To begin with, um, Banner was it was told that it was like um, bleed off. Ra- his radiation had basically killed her. So she died Ooh. by being in contact with him for too long. Then it turned out it was actually the abomination. He had secretly been poisoning her with radiation. Uh, And then she comes back to life as the Red She-Hulk. Now, as I said earlier, there's a whole thing that I will not get into. (laughs) I hate the Red Hulk. I hate all the stories she spawns. The Red She-Hulk is not exempt from this, so we won't be talking about her anymore. Uh, But that's Betty Ross. She's kind of like, if Superman kept leaving Lois Lane behind... And she didn't have anything to do. That'd be Betty Ross. And 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 <laughs> then you, you um, did you talk about Doc Samson there for a minute? Doc Samson, yeah, uh, yeah. Doc Samson pops uh, is is mentioned now. Which one's Samson again? He's Betty Ross's boyfriend in the movie. Oh yeah, because he he pops up and he's very Phil he, he Dunphy. Like he's a... Phil Dunphy from Modern Family, and I, I... had blocked out that that was the same actor. And I was like, what the hell is Phil doing here? Um, <laughs> My mum's a fan of that show. I never got round to watching it. Is it worth watching? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's fun. Funny. Oh, okay, I'll, I'll watch that. Yeah, <clears throat> so he's bas- basically the spurned lover in this, and he goes and tells him, hey, he, he tips him off. And Which then- is, it's, it's, it's odd. It's yeah. almost a, because in, in the comics, uh, Doc Samson is a superpowered dude. He comes around That's in the okay. 70s. And he's kind of like this annoying, perfect version of what the Hulk could and should be. <laughs> Banner, at this point, in, 19, in the 19, early 1970s, Banner's cured himself completely. He's not the Hulk anymore. Yeah. And, and Doc Samson, who is this uh, really smart and caring and sensitive um, uh, psychiatrist, 
exposes himself to a really small dose of gamma radiation and gains right. super strength but doesn't become a monster. He gets he just gets super hench and his gorgeous long ponytail hair turns green. And that's it. He starts wearing shirts that show off loads of his pecs, like yeah. really low-cut shirts. Uh, and he's like, hi, I'm Doc Samson. I'm kind of pretty much perfect. And he starts like turning Betty's head because he's like super ripped and strong, but he's also the smart, sensitive doctor she likes in Bruce Banner. He's the total package in the confines of this world. And so <laughs> Bruce Banner gets super jealous and he goes, I know how to stop this, to stop Betty from having a life without me. And he irradiates himself with Gamma again and becomes the Hulk again and gets into a fist fight with him because <laughs> Bruce Banner is not that smart, apparently. Oh, like even though he's like a, a, a scientist? Bruce Banner's a bloody scientist. Yeah, but he's a Marvel scientist. As we see with Iron Man in the first episode, (laughs) they are constricted by how much science the writers know. (laughs) I swear, in the MCU, 50% of the population are scientists. Yeah. Banner keeps trying to cure himself from being the Hulk. And his way, repeatedly, of curing himself is... Uh, I'll have a lot more gamma, please. A lot more gamma radiation. That'll probably do it, won't it? And I can't think of a single scientist who would make that... Wait, so a little bit of it did a really bad thing. Have lots more, then. See what happens. And he's convinced that more gamma will help him. And it keeps just doing very bizarre things to him. So, yeah, they're Marvel scientists. It's almost as if they're perpetuating the story for no reason other than that. That's just... I don't know what you're talking about. Hey, hey, hey! I like I like finding of plot plots and holes, no holes and plots and stuff like that. Do, do you think the film? Do you think there will be a Doc Samson in the MCU in the future? Or is it just too ridiculous to put something like that in the films? Because I, I I can't see it happening. It would only happen if you get uh, um it, it it'd be yeah if you were getting um Marvel if you're doing Hulk movies you're drawing mm. from a small pool. There are not many. There are not many memorable or cool characters that people will go. That's so cool. Even in the in the in the seventies TV series, the TV movies were hung around Thor. He meets Thor in one of the one in the seventies, and wow. he meets uh, Daredevil in another one, The Trial of wow. Bruce Banner. That's a really great TV movie from the seventies, where Daredevil for some reason just wears all black. No idea why, <laughs> um, and. In the in the in the move in in the in the Ang Lee movie, like I don't even know the villain is his dad, but it's kind of hard to work out what supervillain his dad is meant to be. He's kind of a little bit like the Absorbing Man, but not really. There's not a lot of good villains to draw or, or characters to draw from. So yeah, if we were doing if if Marvel decided to do we're going to make a Hulk franchise instead of him being yeah, a side yeah. character in other movies, then yeah, by the time you get to movie two, you need Doc Samson and you need. Uh, the leader and the abomination. Because once you get out, once you're done, you got nothing else. I, I reckon they could just sneakily put him in into the next phase of Avengers <laughs> films very sneakily. I reckon they could easily do that. I like the idea of Doc Superpower Doc Samson uh, doing like a funny Disney series as the superhero psychiatrist. So that, that he, could, he yeah. you know, debriefing superheroes after traumatic events like so. Uh, a mad titan snapped his fingers and you died for five years. Let's get into that. 
<laughs> you know, oh, Jeez. the one fed my cat and my mom like moved on and uh, that that would be a fun series. Like twenty minute that, short I, episodes. I would genuinely love that. I would genuinely watch that. That'd be sweet as. Okay, so back to the story. Uh, so Blonsky fights uh, Banner, well the Hulk outside this, and he and it looks like he's going to win. I mean, he he takes him on with a fucking grenade launcher. Oh, sorry, I swore a bit there. But when you say grenade... <laughs> I've been trying when, really hard this episode after last week. I've been trying really hard, but as soon as I thought about grenade launcher, it all came out. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> he, he came after him with a grenade launcher. And, and then it's like, you could tell how hard he is when he stopped, when he runs out of ammo and pulls out a pistol and still goes in with it. With it. And I'm thinking, this guy has got a death wish. He go, He really goes for him. That's a bit because like the Hulk's already beaten everybody, but but he keep but then uh, Tim Roth, as we probably shouldn't call him, uh, Blonsky is like, come on, give it. He's like a proper soccer hooligan. God, come on! And the Hulk right really f's him up. Then he he kicks him really really hard. <laughs> he he does. He basically does one kick, and it's. I mean, this film has quite a dark tone in places, I thought. Sure, I was, yeah. I, I, you could tell it was way before Disney took over, even sniffed about taking it over. And he just kicks that's, him. He that's goes a really great point, yeah. I think you're yeah. really right. In that like, you, you, that transformation you loved so much at the beginning, I think mm. you're right. It has those those kind of tones to it, doesn't it? Those shades of darkness. And I think you need that sometimes in a superhero film. Okay, Disney did retain some of it in the later films and certain bits, but they're also funny and goofy bits. But, but this, yeah, you'll you'll never it, see I mean once they took over, you'll never see Tony start drinking again. You'll never see him like drinking a whiskey <laughs> as he's building a suit or anything, will you? That's that's not gonna happen. Oh no, no, that that's it, they they've made it rather wholesome now, unless there's a reason for them to be drinking like they're having a party or something. Yeah. Like, oh, it's socially acceptable. It's not someone drinking on their own or during work hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's the thing. Um, he really, he really messes him up, and he's in a hospital. He's in hospital, and like even Thaddeus, uh, even uh, Thaddeus Ross, um, Thunderbolt. He, he winces. Thund- Thunderbolt. Thunderbolt. Thundy B. Thundy B. That's really that's what we call. If you're a real fan, you know the we all call him Thundy B. <laughs> but Thunderbolt sounds like someone's pretentious dog. <laughs> Someone's called their dog Thunderbolt. Thunderbolt. <laughs> but anyway, Thunderbolt. He winces when he sees him. He's really messed him up. And that was the moment we go, "Oh, this is the point where he gets mad." So basically, they find uh, Doctor Samuel Stearns now, uh, who turns out to be Mister Blue all along. Yeah, yeah. Which is which is how it is in the comics. Uh, Doctor Samuel. St- yeah. So Samuel Stern is the other. Is the other big Hulk villain, the leader? Right, I'm um, looking this up now. <laughs> so very early on, so so sixty uh, four, um, we get this story of another gamma powered kind of cre- uh, dude knocking around. He's a a lonely a lowly janitor, surrounded mm. by very intelligent people at some kind of research testing plant, and uh, it's basically it's goodwill hunting with gamma radiation. Right, so he's a lowly janitor, <laughs> surrounded by all these like pretentious, intelligent people. He accidentally gets exposed to some gamma, and and instead of developing super strength and super body, he develops super intelligence and, and turns yeah. green. And that's kind of where we start to think that maybe what goes on with gamma is kind of wish fulfillment. Maybe puny puny Bruce Banner 
uh, and we'll get into a little bit of this later on, for reasons for reasons in his past and his childhood, becomes this beast, this monster, so no one can ever hurt him. Whereas maybe Samuel Stearns kind of wants to go the other way because he's always surrounded by intelligent people. He 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 gains super intelligence uh, and starts to call himself the leader. Uh, he's, getting, yeah, he's meant to be like the the opposite number of of the Hulk, like quite literally. Well, it's, this is the, this is the weird thing. Um, obviously, just to point out, he's played by Tim Blake Nelson, fantastic little actor. Recently popped up in the new series uh, Watchmen on HBO, <laughs> which was superb. If you're a fan of the comic, now you uh, during the, during uh, they they try to cure him, don't they? This bit. I just want to get into the next bit because you mentioned the leader. They try to cure uh, Banner in his lab, don't they? So he prefer- he got an antidote because he's got loads of his blood. Like in a fridge, basically, like rows and rows of because Banner's, Banner's been sim- sending it to him, hasn't he? Yeah, for, he's been sending testing like, and stuff. Yeah, and and basically, not he's in, got, not uh, in bottles of juice. Not in bottles was... of juice. <laughs> <laughs> that would be that would be. It's okay. I'm bleeding into the production line. Just make sure you get to the, the shop yeah. that sells them. <laughs> It'll be contaminated. But he um he basically uh, does he cure him? Doesn't he? he? Tries to cure him of being the Hulk. But yeah. it, obviously, it doesn't work the entire way. It works some of the way. They find a way to suppress it by the look of it. Yeah. Which is okay. a recurring theme in Hulk stories. Every yeah, yeah. couple of years, <laughs> Hulk <laughs> is cured or it's suppressed or Banner gets control of the thing. It just, it's a, it's a, it must be ever so tiring to be Bruce. I really mean, <laughs> there's so many ups and downs. <laughs> Oh, absolutely! It's it, it does sound like a constant yo-yoing, but I think anything that that continues the plot is fine. But um, where, uh, basically, he gets attacked, doesn't he? They a load of people come in, or is it just uh, is it just Blonsky? I'm trying to remember now. Is it just Blonsky comes in uh, after got, they've done the he's cure? He's got a team with him, hasn't he? Yeah, he got he's got a team with them. They raid it, uh, and mm-hmm. he goes in. But uh, does basically uh, okay? Blonsky's in there. Um, he ordered Stearns to inject him with Banner's blood so he yeah. can get, get the Hulk power. But at the same time, uh, he basically then it, it, it mutates into abomination, uh, as, as we discussed. But what we've, so what we've had before, what we've had before that is that when he's in the uh, hospital bed, yeah, he agrees to let Thunderbolt Ross give him even more super soldier serum. That was going to be stuff that's going to be fused to his spine and things, and it's going to. Oh, be, I remember that bit. Like, really, really painful. So what we've got now is essentially, like, a not-quite-Captain-America guy going, and I also want to be the Hulk as well. I want to be, like, Captain America Hulk. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I want to happen. That's like the uh, genetic bio version of the Hulk suit from uh, Avengers uh, Age of Ultron, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. And I also, like, this is proper Marvel science now. Uh, Inject that blood into me, and all it will do is give me powers... (laughs) That's real Marvel science at work. That's literally like how the that. She-Hulk, the She-Hulk comes about in the same way later on in 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 the, in the seventies, in the middle of kind of like a, a spree of female versions of of proven popular male characters. You know, you get Supergirl and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, Spider Woman comes about. She-Hulk's at the, at the forefront of that, and that is Bruce's cousin, Jennifer Walters, gets really badly, badly hurt and injured, and needs a blood transfusion. And despite oh, the dangers, Bruce is like, yeah, some of my blood. And that turns her into the uh, savage She-Hulk, who stops being savage pretty quickly. 
Um, that's that sounds like a <laughs> like again Black Mirror stuff, uh, bogus science. That sounds like the dangers of infected blood and blood transfusion, but like exactly how you'd imagine Marvel would handle <coughs> such a subject. Yeah, and if you think about the seventies, it's a it's a, a swell of firsts in, in medical research. You get a lot of first um, organ transplants and. Yep. A lot of those things come out. The comic books really do always reflect in the same way, any same way that me and you do with comedy. Um, it is it, because if you're churning stuff out once a month, you're desperate for content. So you go to the <laughs> newspaper, you turn on the TV, and you go, "Okay, I'll write about that." <laughs> no, that makes absolute sense. That makes absolute sense. Um, so yeah, he's basically becoming uh, to be the abomination. He is Captain America. He basically has. Both, both, both things. He has two powers at once, but he turns into this big uh, super Hulk. And then during uh, during his transformation, he attacks Stern and cuts Stern's forehead, and his head starts bubbling weirdly. And I didn't get understand what was happening there. Well, so he, I was thinking he, he cuts Stern's head, and Stern has yeah. a cut, and the Hulk blood starts to drip into the cut. Yeah, and so that irradiated gamma blood in his bloodstream starts to make his head grow. And if you, uh, as a fan of the comic or, or listen to what we just said, that's what the leader looks like. The leader has this great big massive head, really tall forehead. Because blood how else do you depict a really smart person but a massive massive head? Exactly. Like looks like so, Mars attack. So yeah, that that Stern's becoming the leader. That I always I thought that was quite. Uh, uh, in the way, the same way they did a little bit in Iron Man that we saw in the first episode, where they set up War Machine for the next one. Yeah, they set up the kind of two. I mean, well, they certainly set up the leader to be a villain in in, in the next one or at some point in the future, and they introduce um, Doc Samson so that maybe that could come up. So I think they they laid some good groundwork and foundations for future things there and that was kind of that was good fan service for me i was like oh i know what that is oh that's going to be fun later you know and like that you know <laughs> referencing the, the mandarin the ten rings in iron man it's kind of like oh that's going to be in the next one except it yeah wasn't. yeah that's a, that's a shame they didn't they didn't follow <laughs> on for these but i mean we've got as we are at the moment with the mcu i think we are spoiled for choice in terms of characters oh yeah so so there's going to be some crossover somewhere. They're going to find a, a character that's like Doc Sampson but fulfills that role uh, much better, maybe. I don't know. But anyway, um, they fight in Harlem. And it, it, it is quite an impressive scene because after I saw the Culver University scene where it's just some army trucks on a field <laughs> next to a building, I, I thought, ah, uh, they're in New York now. I bet nothing will happen. And then it does happen and it's quite good. Yeah. It's quite a good, quite a good scene. It, it's, uh, like, there's a it's whole, very it's just visceral. Yeah, oh, there's a, a lot of. <clears throat> sorry, no, no, you're saying it's very, it's very visceral, and there's a lot of property damage, which is the hallmark of Hulk in general. Yeah, um, yeah, because you don't, you you can't have a gory comics all the time, but what you can show is a great big monster like smashing up a city and destroying buildings and cars and things like that so it's a yeah. prop- collateral damage and property damage is the hallmark of the Hulk to the extent of I don't know if this is directly from the Hulk but I do know he's one of their uh, biggest reasons for existing there exists in the Marvel Universe and this began in a comedy comic book uh, a company called Damage Control 
and mm. Damage Control are a private company that deal exclusively in the aftermath of superhero battles. <laughs> so <laughs> you own a small business in the Marvel Universe, and the Hulk battles Thor, and your your like small business gets gets destroyed. Well, that's when you need to call in Damage Control, and they'll come in and they'll handle all the they'll get the irradiated materials out of the way they'll make sure there's no super powered weapons left lying around and then they'll help you rebuild your uh, your business because I, I remember reading an article and they said that the mm. amount of damage that the avengers have done over the course of the films would make the entire world uh, economy crash several times over <laughs> that's a plot point in we talked last last in the first episode about the ultimate uh, universe, yeah, kind of the ultimate Nick Fury and stuff. In, in that's kind of almost like a trying to be a real world modern telling of the Marvel universe that started in the early two thousands, and in their version of the Avengers are called the Ultimates, and they their first battle is a fight against the Hulk, and it destroys Manhattan. Bloody hell! And then they have to spend the next th- th- after that all happens. There's an awful lot of talk in the comics of the powers that be are like, you guys had better justify your existence because so far <laughs> all you've done is cause a lot of property damage we had to pay for. And so there's this eagerness for them to actually save the world because if they don't, then they're not worth the money they they, they, <laughs> they cost the US government. I always thought that was a really neat little approach. I, I like that. It's, it's like how they approached it in... Um... <laughs> In one of the later Avenger films, the uh, Civil War, when they were just like, "You're causing all this damage because of you. We have to keep you in line and license you people." Yeah. So it is. It is a very <coughs> visceral fight in this, the Incredible Hulk. Uh, and you do, and like you said before, he is supposed to be better. But when you think about it, the Incredible Hulk, he is a he is a scientist who who ha- who, who can turn into his big Hulk. Okay, and that and and then suddenly you have an insane. Uh, specially trained killer who can also turn into a big Hulk, which kind of levels out the playing field a bit, but he's still going to be better than the Hulk, I reckon because of the military training, not to mention uh, the uh, the transformation stuff. So yeah, I, if, I you've both, that- if you've both got the same uh, kind of powers, power levels, then it is just a puny <laughs> scientist against an SAS dude. <laughs> Uh, and it plays out how you'd imagine there's a lot of ass kicking but he does get him in the end Uh, so basically was it towards the end they convince uh, before this uh, Ross uh, Banner convinces Ross to release him so because he's been caught um, as they raided him when he was having that cure done by uh, Dr. Samuel Stearns and he he jumps before the fight he jumps out the helicopter which I found hilarious because at some moment you think it doesn't work (laughs) I and think it's a really does. good. It's a really good scene. It's a really cinematic scene, that isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's and then of course he has the fight. He basically although wins. although oh, although yeah. that is also although. a nod to the nineteen seventies TV series. I think the not TV series. It was TV series, but also TV movies. In the death of the Incredible Hulk, that's how the Hulk dies. Um, he jumps out of a plane, just dies. <laughs> wow, <laughs> it's that's really depressing. weird and sad. Yeah. <laughs> Oh wow! So after the fight, he basically <clears throat> flees again, and he's living in Canada somewhere, and he's trying to suppress it, and he begins to trans, he begin to uh, transform, transform, but it's like on his own terms, isn't it? He like he he does it with a smirk. 
And he's like, ah. seems to be, yeah, it seems to be that's what they're kind of saying. <clears throat> yeah, he, he's 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 become a become himself. And then there's a final bit in the film which I thought should have been a post credit sequence, but I think they weren't really sure about it, but they stuck it in there anyway. Where uh, Thunderbolt, uh, sorry, sorry, Thunderbee, Thunderbee's Thund- in the Thund- bar. Thunderbee. Thundy it's like B. no, it's cut. You pronounce it like Cardi B. It's Thundy B. Thundy B. Oh no, he's 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 my Bay, so he could be my Thundy Bay. <laughs> <laughs> so he's at the bar getting drunk and sort of going, "What's happened?" And then who should approach him but Tony Stark? <laughs> well, I just think that Tony Stark was in a bar. I think that's just he just happened to be there. Oh, hey, look, there's yeah. someone. There's someone. And then he basically does the whole Nick Fury thing of going, I'm putting a team together, I need the Hulk. And it's like, oh, this should have been a post credit sequence, but you decide to keep it at the end as a proper part it, of the film. That's interesting. I didn't realise it was... Uh, so there's, there's, I presume, is there not a post credit scene then? No, I, I went all the way to the end, no post credit scene. This is the post credit scene. This I is do a wonder, scene. I do wonder if that is a decision made by the by the people that made it for the DVD or for streaming, rather than how it was presented cinematically. I can't quite remember. Um, That's a, Yeah. I often I, I think have to... if I was putting them on DVD, I would not put the credit... I would not put the scenes after the credits. I'm not on DVD. I'd put them right before the credits if I was making them. But I don't know. But it blew my mind in the cinema again. Like <laughs> it did when Nick Fury showed up at the end of Iron Man. This was absolutely awesome. Um, because, again... It's the idea that they are the, the the idea that the Marvel movie people are now doing a shared universe like like the comic books do was so sweet, so cool, so something we hadn't seen before in movies at all. And you know, you do know it was kind of what really makes Marvel so special. And again, it's like they are treating this seriously. Now, does he say we need the Hulk? I'm not sure he says we need the Hulk, but he basically hints We're putting a that team he together. needs him. They Which is weird, because Thundy B is not going to be on the Avengers. <laughs> like, no. We need a mad general. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon he has some kind of favour in his back pocket he could twist his arm with. I suppose it's kind be... of, we need you to yeah. find the Hulk for us when we need the Hulk. I also don't know how how anyone rational could look at the Hulk that early on and go... Hey, we really need him to. We can really trust this guy. This is I, this is someone oh, this, we need. This is Tony Stark. He'll just engineer something. He'll just go like, you know what? I've got something in the lab for this, and he invents some kind of weird chastity belt that stops him being angry. I don't know. <laughs> so that's the Incredible Hulk. <clears throat> um, yes, a, a very different kind of. Um, there, so there's some stuff missing. Hmm. Um, we talked about all the characters that the important Marvel characters that are there, but there's a big, big, big part of the Hulk story that's not in this movie. It's not in any of the Avengers movies, and he's really important. He's really important for the Hulk, and he's really, really important for the Avengers, sort of. Um, and that's a character called Rick Jones. Rick Jones is missing from this movie. Um, Rick Jones. Rick Jones. So Rick Jones is in the comics. He's this hip 1960s kid who's uh, wants to protest the government bomb testings and gets dared by his friends to ride out into this government testing site in the desert. 
So he does. Uh, and right before the gamma bomb goes off, Bruce Banner's just like checking the testing site with his binoculars and sees a teenager playing his <laughs> harmonica right in the middle of the blast site. <laughs> and uh, Bruce has to race out there to save him because the countdown can't be stopped. He shoves Rick Jones into like a safety trench, but by yeah. doing that, that's how Bruce Banner is caught in the bomb explosion by his own bomb. Oh, right. And that's what turns him into the Hulk. So Rick Jones, this this this, this teenager, this 15-year-old, feels immense guilt about this because he knows he's responsible for this happening. His, like, idiotic, uh, fun-loving dare has ruined this man's life. And he becomes the Hulk's unwanted sidekick and kind of moral compass. Uh, he <laughs> follows the Hulk around... And kind of tries to make sure the Hulk never does too much damage. Hmm. And then whenever Hulk becomes Bruce Banner again, there's someone there to give him some clothes and say, do you want a lift? <laughs> so he's <laughs> kind of key at the start. Um, and Rick Jones is also the person, and he's he's there, he's part of all the, I mean, he's part of the Hulk comics uh, for a long, 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 long time. And he's sidekick to a bunch of other superheroes as well. He's Captain America's sidekick for a while. He's Captain Marvel, the the, the male Marvel, Captain Marvel's sidekick for a while. Mm. And he's the person who literally brings the Avengers together in the 60s. Uh, because oh, wow. Rick, Rick Jones has a group of friends called the Teen Brigade. Please remember, <laughs> <laughs> please remember at the time, that the word teenager and teen were like brand new words, and Marvel could not get enough of using them because Let's they were like, know. that's who's reading the comic. Now, the Teen Brigade were a bunch of um, geeks who all had ham radios. And again, remember, this was like amazing <laughs> technology at the time. This was a way of connecting people all across America, sort of. You'd have, yeah. You could only you could you, you, so you pass it on to a person at the edge of town, and he passes it on to the person in the next town, and he passes it on, and that's how you get a really slow internet. Uh, and the team brigade are the ones that say Loki's being evil gets get the Avengers together. Um, so that's Rick Jones. Who I guess he really isn't needed, but it's kind of he's kind of a, a big figure that's that's really missing. What is interesting about the, the every interpretation of the Hulk, aside from the fact that the gamma bomb is missing, <clears throat> they only really show you one type of Hulk, which is this yeah, like yeah. childlike savage Hulk. And yeah. I think of all the Marvel characters that we see in the MCU, Hulk is the one that changes so radically over the years, way more than Iron Man did, way way oh, totally. more. So when Hulk in the first in the first Hulk uh, comics in the sixties, he is not a mindless savage at all. He speaks in full sentences. We know he's not green, but he's also not like huge either. He's bigger than a normal person, but not by much. He's kind mm. of like um, Frankenstein meets Mister Hyde. And yeah, that makes sense. That's something that Stan Lee's talked about quite a lot. He's a, a cross between those kind of characters. He like like Mr. Hyde, he hates his weak alter ego. Like Frankenstein, he feels kind of persecuted. Um But should you get that? And then by the mid sixties he becomes this childlike savage that we see in the movie in The Incredible Hulk. That doesn't last very long. By the seventies he regains his intelligence. 
He goes mm. off to a fantasy world and marries a princess who has blonde hair. It's very odd. <laughs> and then <laughs> in the 80s, they bring back Grey Hulk again, the original one. And they bring him back. And this, please get ready, this is the best Hulk. They bring back the Grey Hulk in the, in the 80s, by the end, mid to late 80s. And right. he's a cunning thug who calls himself Mr. Fix-It and becomes an enforcer for the mob in Las Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> that's the Hulk. From like 88, 87, 88 through to 91, that's the Hulk. It's the Hulk I grew up reading, right? He's grey, mm. he, like, he wears a hat and an overcoat and a great suit that's tailor-made. He wears white gloves he looks like a, the most ugly pimp in the world. He carries a cane. He lives in Vegas. He's surrounded by hoes. And he beats people up who try and mess with casinos. That's the Hulk. That is 80s Hulk. That is so bad. Then, in the, no, it's so good. I don't it's know. It's amazing. That sounds like the origin story of the Hulk, and then he becomes a big uh, thing. This, this sounds like he's down on his luck. <laughs> He is significantly less powerful than savage, savage childlike Hulk. He's not as strong, yeah. but who cares? He's beating up people for the mob. You don't have to be a super <laughs> strong dude. And then in the, in the 90s, um, Peter David, who, who did like 10 years writing the Hulk, Peter David introduces the idea, which permeates Hulk ever since and goes back, that Banner has multiple personalities. Bruce Banner does. Mm. These are all to do with being abused by by his dad when he was a little kid beaten up and made to feel puny and weak ah. and small so Peter David introduced these really clever ideas that um, these multiple personalities are the reason for all these changes in the Hulk uh, because there is a childlike savage Hulk which is kind of banner when he was little and then there's the streetwise cunning thug of Mr. Fixit um mm. Who who is you know more streetwise than Banner is and child Banner Hawk is, um, and 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 this kind of that that ties into the idea that gamma radiation is kind of wish fulfillment, like we said with the leader. The leader was this this lowly janitor who wanted to be smart, so he became smart. Well, if Banner was this kind of uh, tortured child who had been beaten up by his dad his whole life and wanted to feel big and powerful, that's kind of how that comes about. And in this run in the 90s, um, Banner finds a way to unite all his different personalities. Childlike Mr. Fix-It mm. and his own intelligence and becomes the perfect version of the Hulk, which is usually called the Professor, who we see way down the line in our journey in, in Avengers Endgame. That's what I thought you'd turn out to be. There we go. Yeah, so he has the glasses. He sounds just like Banner does. He's smart and considerate, but he also retains all the physical... Uh, attributes um, and then after that we get in as the 2000s become the 2010s and all that we get gladiator hulk slash emperor <laughs> hulk in, in planet hulk and world war hulk so yeah the hulk changes dramatically almost every decade has a different version of the hulk with a different personality kind of almost a different power set a different drive he's not always a fugitive um and it's kind of it's to do it's always portrayed that the hulk is almost like the maybe the ultimate version of evolution like he can't mm. he keeps you can't kill the hulk 
he walks on. He gets drowned once. He fights a squid, and he swims. I think he walks underwater to um, an, a remote island and discovers he's grown gills all of a sudden. Uh, and <laughs> like the, the, the Hulk's body just will keep keep kind of adapting and changing, and he, he kind of uh, he kind of can't be killed. So yeah, that's a huge amount of trivia. From the 60s through the 70s, the 80s, and then bang up to really... I believe the title right now is actually called Immortal Hulk. I've read some. And they reintroduced the idea that Hulk uh, comes out at night. So it's no longer anger that transforms him. Mm. And also, you can't... Literally, because it's called Immortal Hulk, you can't kill him. In the first issue, they shoot Banner in the head. And Banner dies, but when it becomes nightfall... Banner turns into the Hulk and everything's fine. And so he's what? back to, Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they really have ran with the idea that the Hulk as an entity is so uh, adaptive and powerful and keeps gaining power, you can't kill this thing. So it's become a lot more of kind of like a almost a horror story. He's being pursued a lot. Um the Hulk is kind of the antagonist and whilst Banner is the protagonist and mm. yeah, lots of it's very interesting to pick up the character as it goes over the decades because it, there's all something different in every interpretation. And it's a shame we don't get to see more Hulk movies, but that's a weird production deal, isn't it? That that would be incredibly weird. I I don't know how you can expand on that story considering what they've done already uh, with, 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 with the not, Avengers films. But we're not getting any more Hulk Hulk um, move. Like they had to put a. Stop to the Hulk movies, didn't they? They can't do any. There's a, a very they so Disney or whoever it is don't want to play ball with Universal. Universal have exclusive distribution rights to the uh... Hulk story, which is why he can be in the Avengers and he can be in Thor, but he can't be in his own standalone movie unless you cut Universal in on the deal. That's what I'm led to believe. But we're not really behind this movie scenes podcast. Maybe we're wrong. No. You can uh, you can let us know in the comments if we are wrong. Um, <laughs> and in the comments, email us. Maybe comments. Are we gonna have? We're, what are we gonna have? I I think we'll have both. We'll 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 have people complaining either way. They'll be rushing to complain us uh, to us about our wrongness <clears throat> with Universal's deals with Marvel. And that really is the hallmark of making anything for geeks, isn't it? Because <laughs> there's uh, there's no way of of stopping uh, everyone from complaining. But there you go. Um, yeah, final thoughts on the Hulk. Final thoughts on the Hulk as, as character of the film. Uh, what? Well, what I always like to do have your final thoughts on the movie, and then what was like the most interesting facts or that you that you learned from, from our trivia session. So what are your final thoughts on the movie? Final thoughts of the movie, it's a strong 7 out of 10 compared to the other Marvel films. It's good. Yeah. I mean, it's it's finding its feet in the Marvel Universe, but good. I, I am very surprised why this isn't uh, talked about as much as the other Marvel films, because it should be. Uh, it's right. It's, it's at the same standard as, as the original Iron Man film for me uh, and the other films nearby. Uh, like Captain America, I, 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 I think this 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 has been sold a raw deal. Yeah, uh, I I don't know where it came from, but yeah, I think it gets forgotten and and left behind. Yeah. And um, what was your favourite bit of trivia that you learnt from 
from our trivia dump of, of the comic books of the 60s and 70s and 80s? I would have to go with uh, Mr. Fix-It, the Hulk Enforcer of Las Vegas. <laughs> because Just, that's insane. Google him right now. Google Hulk Mr. Fix-It. Uh, and yeah, you will I get wanna... a, a real classic. Oh, he's exactly how I imagined. Isn't he? He's oh. gorgeous. He's the best. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it, it, oh, I, I was expecting Mr. X from Resident Evil too, but no, he's uh, yeah, he's got the same hat as well. He just looks too. Who, who, who? I don't know who got who tailored for him, but man, that must have cost a lot for that suit. Hey, when you got that, uh, when, <laughs> when you got that mafia money in your pocket, you got a fat roll you can hand over to any uh, suit maker and say, "Give me something custom." <laughs> exactly. I got to throw people out of a casino. <laughs> but I do think that at some stage of you'd just be weary of being on the run all the time, and you'd yeah, be weary yeah. of having to fight uh, Thanos and be at the Avengers beck and call. Why not? Why not go and indulge in some cocaine and whiskey and probably hookers in Vegas? I, it's exactly what I'd do. Yeah, I, I I agree. I agree. I like that logic. So that was. Uh, episode 2 of Marvel vs. Marvel, The Incredible Hulk, overlooked, we believe, uh, and a huge dump of wonderful Marvel trivia, Marvel comic book trivia, for anyone out there who has not read the comics. And you can join us for Episode 3, which will be our third installment on the MCU journey as we hurtle through Phase 1, uh, and we get, to, we get to tackle Iron Man 2, which features, and I don't want to give anything away, the best bondage character in the history of Marvel. <laughs> so we should all look forward to that. Please watch along with us. It's your opportunity now to go and rewatch Iron Man 2 and join us back here on Marvel vs. Marvel as we'll compare it to the Marvel comics that inspired it. Thanks for listening. Please like and subscribe to help us out. And hey, why not shoot an email to marvelversusmarvel at gmail.com and let us know what you thought of this episode. And don't forget to watch along with us rewatch Iron Man 2 in time for the next episode of Marvel vs. Marvel. <laughs>